You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Welcome to episode one of The Whole Truth podcast. I'm Paul Armstrong. During the podcast series, we will be chatting with some of Australia's leading mining executives, those who are famous for their discoveries, and we'll be chatting to some executives who are hoping to join the ranks of those who have made big discoveries around the country and overseas. Our first chat in episode one was with Dave Richards, the managing director of Minerals 260. He is the man behind the now very famous Lion Town lithium discovery of Kathleen Valley. He's a fascinating bloke, very down to earth despite his success. You'll hear Dave talk about some of his golfing successes, although he admits he's still yet to hit a hole in one. And uh, to mix his cricketing analogies, he's on that hat trick looking for a third discovery. He's certainly still got the bit between his teeth. He's a man hungry for more success. We had a great chat, and I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing what it is that makes Dave tick. Dave Richards, let's start with the elephant in the room, or perhaps we should call it the uh, the lion in the town, you <laughs> might say. Uh, it's the story of the week. Uh, one of the biggest lithium companies in the world wants to pay $5 billion for something you found. How does that make you feel? Um, yeah, listen, <laughs> I've got all goosebumpy, sorry, Paul, I've... Just thinking about it, it's, it's sort of beyond words, considering the, the story started, you know, the lithium story for Liontown started in, I think, late 2015. We're in Tanzania. The share price was half a cent. Uh, you know, we decided then that you know, lithium was probably a good thing to go for uh, based on what we could just see happening in the world at the time. So given where we've come from, uh, the share price, the location, and where we've ended up now, it's, um, it's, it's hard to believe. I still trying to get my head around it and what it means personally, what it means professionally, what it means for a whole bunch of other people as well. Um, it's just fantastic and just shows you what you can do in this space and, and, and why we do it. But 2015, that's a fair bit of foresight, isn't it? I mean, you think it, it, it got pretty hot for a while there, didn't yeah, it? But then yeah. what around 2019, the bottom fell out of it. You must have been starting to question yourselves as to whether you'd, you'd back the wrong horse there. Um, surprisingly, no. Um, we always thought it was a great story. Um, but when we got Liontown, oh, sorry, when we got Kathleen Valley, it was 2017 and, we, you know, we sort of got it towards the end of, of uh, the first, you know, lithium boom number one. Um, but there was enough in it that we were able to, you know, to raise a bit of money and continue on with us. But I don't think I can ever, ever, ever remember a conversation at Liontown going, we got to change horses here. This is not right. We always, and I'm genuine here. I mean, sometimes we will, you know, gild the lily a bit, but never was there a conversation saying we should sort of move away. We really had a strong belief in lithium as a, as a commodity and also just the projects we had. So, um, yeah, no, it's, and it's it's obviously paid off for us in, in spades. Now at Minerals Two Sixty, yep, you're back to where you were, what circa 2015 at Liontown. Uh, sort of, and back to where I was in probably 1984 or 1982 when I first graduated, I suppose. Yeah, we're back in the exploration space. That's that's, that's where I've got the skill set, it's, it's the capacity I've got to do uh, do things, you know, go out, and, and that's what I like doing. Uh, I like taking something that's a bit of a mystery and working it up and uh, and turning it into something, and more often than not in this business it doesn't, and then you move on to the next one. So, um, But, yeah, that's, that's the space I'm in and uh, looking to do the same thing. So there's a whole lot of connections here, and it's all a bit, uh, you might say, a bit incestuous, really, isn't it? You start off in Lion Town. Lion Town spins out Minerals 260. Uh, Minerals 260 ends up with a lump of land up the road in a, in a geological sense from 
Chalice, another Tim Goyder stable mate. It's all, you're keeping it all rather close to home, aren't you? Um, and I say that in a way that shows that actually you know the area, uh, you know the shareholder base. It's all rather cosy, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's also coincidental, I think. Um, we, we picked up that Moora ground in 20, or Liontown picked it up in 2018. It was brought to us as a concept uh, through a connection of uh, the exploration manager, Jamie Day, who's still with Liontown. Uh, uh, an associate of his uh, who'd worked with him in the past had worked this target up but hadn't been picked up with by the company that he'd been working with at the time he brought it to us um, even then you know with Catherine Valley going and you know steaming along as explorers we we said well we've always got to have that pipeline so um, this looks like a pretty interesting place to be so in 2018 you know well before the Julemar discovery we we picked that up to look for uh, you know copper and nickel PGEs in the end we ended up finding copper and gold but that's the that's the nature of the industry. Sometimes you're uh, you're in the right place for the wrong reason. So uh, that that's why we're there. Uh, it is it is coincidence. I mean, people probably don't believe that, but you know we were operating as in completely independent companies, um, and we just so have, I suppose you know you know risk of big noting. You know smart minds end up in similar places. They see the potential in these areas and and they go for it. So maybe that's that's what that's what happened. And and Tim Tim Goyder, one thing he does, he likes to collect people who think. Uh, We've got potential to achieve results. So. It's quite an amazing uh, set of numbers, uh, as what did Paul Keating say? It's a beautiful set of numbers. You've got Lion Town with a $5 billion off on the table. You've got Chalice with a market cap of, what, $2.5 billion or more, yep. give or take any yep. day. Uh, and you're up the road from Chalice. Yep. What, 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 what is, tell us, take us through the relationship between Chalice ge- geologically and what minerals 260 has, uh, the comparisons, the differences. Um, some people have initially said, hey, this is going to be Chalice Mark II, but it's not exactly that simple, is it? No, no and uh, I suppose the comparison is if you go to the eastern goldfields. I mean, we've got, we're in the same geological terrain as, as Chalice, there's, there's no doubt about that. So we've got the same sort of rocks that Chalice has down the road. But when you look at the eastern goldfields, I mean, you're in the same geological terrain there as well, but you've got gold deposits and you've got base metal nickel deposits and now you've got lithium deposits. So I think fertile geology uh, just is, you know, has, you know, generates the uh, metals that you go off and you find in different places, you find different things. So I think that's the connection. It, it is the same geological terrain, but like the eastern goldfields, in different parts of it, you're going to find different things. It's just a metal-rich area. Now, newcomers would come at this, Dave, and say, hey, you've got a Russian doll here, you've got a thing called the Mora Project, and within that you've got prospects. Can you give us a quick assessment of how these pieces fit together? Oh, it's pretty typical. I mean, all, pros- all projects are subdivided. I mean, you start, you know, and Mora is a classic example, we've got 1,000 square kilometres there. You start start with 1,000 square k's and over time you, you explore it and you, you whittle it down and you, you cast off the, uh, you know, well, you don't necessarily cast them off, but you, you know, have to have a lower priority areas which you don't think are as perspective and you end up focusing on a few key areas. So it's why it's important to have a, to start with a big land position, it just maximises your chances of finding something and that's what we've done at, at uh, Moora and Coogin. We've started with a big area, we've been there now, it's hard to believe, you know, almost three years. Um, and we're now whittling it down and we're getting to the pointy end of the business where we're focusing on some advanced prospects where we're getting some good numbers. And that's and as we go forward, that'll continue to happen. Things will evolve and eventually we'll get to the point where we uh, we think we're on the right one. So tell us about those numbers. I mean, what are they telling you? What, what, what should an investor make of what you've got on the table at this stage? Um, well, they're good numbers. I mean, I think that's uh, yeah, copper and gold. Yeah, combined uh, copper particularly is... Uh, it, 
you know, despite the, the price doesn't seem to want to match the rhetoric, but, you know, copper's a pretty important metal uh, like lithium. It's critical for the, uh, you know, forward-facing industries and where we're going in the future. And, and gold's just a nice sweetener. And a while ago when everyone was talking about, you know, I actually heard a comment, if you wanted to empty a room at a conference, you'd stand up and talk about gold. And I, could, I just don't get it. Uh, you know, gold is always there and it's, as a junior, I think juniors should always have it in their portfolio. So... I think they're nice numbers. Uh, I think they're conventional sort of deposits. We're not looking at something that's too exotic. Um, if we find enough of it, um, then I think we should be able to mine it and process it and, and, and turn it into something. So are you talking really here about trying to get a, a collection of deposits that will, when put together, will give you a, a production hub? Is that the scenario we're sort of looking at here? Uh, yeah, I think it's a bit akin to, it's, listen, it's not a vulcan, vulcanogenic massive sulphide deposit like uh, Golden Grove or anything like that, so I don't want to give people the, the, the wrong impression there. But it is a collection of, of deposits or, or mineralised shoots within a very small area. So I think eventually if it, if it does become commercial down the track, and I'm you know, hopeful that it will, then what we'll have is a series of deposits. But we're not talking about deposits 20 kilometres apart, we're talking about deposits you know, one to two kilometres apart at most. And so I can see a scenario where you do have multiple multiple deposits, which together make a, a single oper- operation with the gold and copper blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, and I, I, I don't know. I'm not a metallurgist, but it, it you know, the mineralisation we're getting at Mint doesn't have a lot of nasties in it. So I'm hopeful that the metallurgy you know, doesn't have any arsenic in it, for instance. I'm hopefully the metallurgy there will be pretty straightforward. Yeah. Word has it that you're a pretty handy golfer. <laughs> uh, I know. I know when you come over to the Resources Rising Stars conference on the Gold Coast each each year, you take advantage of the uh, the world class golf course I've got over there. I've heard that. That's not one for the faint heart, is it? No, nah, no. There's a lot of water. Uh, you know, that's one good thing about Western Australia. You, there's not that much water around, but in in Queensland, particularly the Gold Coast, there's a lot of water, and you've got to be able to hit the ball straight. So, my advice to anyone doing it is take a lot of golf balls. Right. So. So there are some analogies, I suppose, between golf and exploration. I mean, obviously, uh, really, if you had your way in golf and in exploration, you'd get a hole in one, wouldn't you? I mean, that's what it's about, isn't it? First time. But the reality is, no. never so lucky on either front, really. Yeah. How many holes in one have you got? None. None. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the bucket list still. So, right. uh, in fact, I, I did a, uh, a long time ago, someone asked me my ambitions, and that was on probably at the top of the list, was to get a hole in one, so... So I've, uh, it, but they also say that people have achieved their goals are in crisis because they don't know what to do with themselves. So, <laughs> so, so let, let, let's put it on the table. We're in a, in a frank chat here, Dave. What's the handicap? Uh, 21. 21. Yeah. Right. So I'm not, you know, I'm a hacker. You know, I mean, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that the bulk of, of golfers that pay for the low handicappers to go out there and, and have a good time. What, do they, what do they say? Only 10% of golfers get under, under 90 or something? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a quite an amazing statistic. Yeah. But then again, if you apply that to geologists, Dave, how many geologists strike at lucky like you have? And it's worth mentioning not just once at Liontown, but that was actually your second bonanza, wasn't it? You, you've done it before. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I was. Um, I suppose maybe I've used up all my luck professionally. I'm, I don't have enough of it in golf. But no, back in the mid '90s, I was you know, fortunate enough to be at, at Pajingo and and led the team that discovered the the Vera Nancy uh, gold shoots there. Um, which are still going today. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, again, another fabulous deposit. I could probably appreciate what's this one more. I'm a bit older, a bit wiser, and, and uh, got a bit more skin in the game. So uh, it's, it's, it's something I can appreciate more. But, you yeah, know, the Vera Nancy thing, there's nothing more exciting than making a discovery and, and drilling it out and all the hype that goes with it. And uh, it was, that was a fantastic experience as well. So, 
do some of these same principles apply across these discoveries and exploration? I mean, okay, different different metals in some cases, obviously, different different states, different geology, but yep. some things I take it are probably the same in terms of the philosophy and strategy you need. Yeah, I think one thing you need, and for both of these of those deposits, you need someone supporting you and backing you. Uh, at Battle Mountain or Pajingo, it was Keith McKay. I mean, he he went there with the belief and. So this is what we're going to do, and you gave me the job to execute it. And obviously with Lion Town, it's been Tim Goiter. So it's important to have someone who's backing you and is a true believer in the business. I think it's important to be realistic about where you're exploring. It's, it's one of our philosophies that you've got to go and explore in areas where there is real potential. We're not big fans of, of, of going and drilling underneath, you know, deposits have already been drilled under 10 times and people are trying just to get some numbers. So I think you've got to be in the right place. You've got to have genuine potential and scope and... And all that sort of, and then perseverance. Um, Catherine Valley, I suppose, was a bit different, but Pajinga, I, I don't know what the hole was that, that we finally got onto the high-grade shoots that turned into the main deposit, but it was like the 100th hole or something. It took us a while. So it, it, perseverance is important. Support is important. You know, having the money to, to be able to go and do it, and, and then you need a bit of luck as well that you, you stick a hole in the right place and you don't miss it. I mean, the first hole at Pajinga, I remember this clearly, it turned out it was 20 metres above the actual discovery hole it was you know discovered it was drawn 18 months later so yeah, we could have been lucky with that first hole but we missed it but 18 months later we came under and once, once we understood the geology better we drawed underneath it and it was there so a lot of investors would look at western australia and say surely the place has been turned upside down and inside out a hundred times i mean you know it's a hundred what is it, 120 years yeah. or give or take since paddy hannon in kalgoorlie bailey and ford in kulgardi before that before that halls creek you know, if you go back over the time, you sort of look at it and say, surely we, we must have found everything, everything there is to be found in Western Australia. Well, I think we're, we're proving that wrong. Um, you know, you look at uh, Julemar's a classic, Kathleen Valley's another one, even, you know, the Baldania deposit near Norseman. People rush off and they keep doing the same thing and you're looking at the same spot for literally decades because that's where the other ones have been found. So there are a lot of areas in Western Australia that, not just the, the covered areas, but a lot of areas in Western Australia which have basically been ignored. We, we drove over the wheat belt, getting to the gold fields since the 1960s, and, you know, 40, 60 years later, we're back having a look at what we've been driving over. The Gascoigne's another area where we've, you know, again, it's basically largely been ignored, and mainly because of, you know, the pickings have been better in the eastern gold fields, and that's where people have gone and focused on that, and there's been very little attention paid to uh, these other areas, which are now, you know, basically brand new. And that's what I mean by having the potential to find something, you know, world-beating you know, world or game-changing. Go to an area which hasn't been flogged to death, and I think lots of the eastern goldfields have been fairly heavily flogged. And in areas which haven't been heavily explored, you've got a chance of actually finding something. You know, neither Catherine Valley or the Boldonia lithium deposit had a single drill hole in it when we got there. You know, we drilled those first holes. We drilled the first holes into Mora. You know, there was no drilling on our properties. So they're the sort of terrains we like to get into where we think there is real potential. It's quite remarkable that a, a discovery the size of Chalice is basically right on the outskirts of Perth under people's noses. Yeah. yeah. As you say, how many times has it been walked over, flown over, driven over on the way to what was considered to be more prospective country, hundreds of kilometres on the other side of the hills? Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you go to, as you said, Gascoigne, that's, 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 that's hardly a... Uh, you know, a, a far-flung area, is it? No. And it's turning up success. It, it, it sort of prompts the, the obvious question, how much of a role is technology playing now? Uh, the game has changed from, you know, the picks and shovels. We've gone through the phase of, you know, shallow open-pit gold mines. 
um, the, the great progress that was made, wasn't it, in the 90s with processing technology mm. in gold that allowed people to mine gold economically that was considered too low grade well before that. What's, what's happened now in the last 10 years that's changing the exploration game again? Listen, I, I'm not sure whether – for mining, absolutely. I mean, I think technology is, is – things have come forward, you know, carbon and pulp and all that sort of stuff changed the industry. Exploration, I still think it's the good old-fashioned principles. You know, you've got to go out. You've got to, you've got to hit some rocks. You've got to drill holes. You've got to take samples. You, yeah, you can do all the geophysics you like and, and that'll help. But in the end, you know, I just maybe, – maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't feel that we need to do things vastly different to what we were doing before when it comes to exploration. I still think it's a pretty straightforward exercise and the main thing is have a good look at what you've got and, uh, you know, do the straightforward stuff. It's, if it's there and, and you do that, you should find it. So you've given some good words of wisdom there, Dave, for young geologists and the like. What would you say to investors who are, who are listening to us have a chat and say, hey, you know, there's, there's never been more junior companies and explorers to choose from? Uh, they've never had access to so much information about those companies. Uh, it's almost their sport for choice, but in the process, probably very confused. Well, what, mm. what, what, what would you say to a young investor looking to, uh, to have a punt in the, in, on the exploration business? Um, I'd, I'd be looking for companies which uh, I think where there's a, there's a dedicated team, um, where there's good people. Um, you know, one of the opportunities we see is Minerals 260 is where we see a lot of companies who have boards and, and executives who are spread across uh, you know, multiple multiple companies, and then they don't they don't have a managing director, or they don't have a job. You know, they've got to go and get a consultant. So I, I I'm a big believer in actually looking at the people, uh, looking at the projects, and if the people are there and that that's their job. I mean, my job's Minerals Two Sixty. Okay, I'm on another board, but that's that's you know it's just a non-exec role. But my job at Minerals Two Sixty is that's it. You know, that's my focus. It's my priority. It's the only thing I do. 80% of the time or 90% of my working life. When you're not talking to me, of course. But yeah, well, this is part of the job, I'd like to think. But, um, uh, yeah, so I think that's to me, is critical. You see too many people trying to spread themselves too thin, and I think that's one of the issues we have in the industry now. There are too many companies. There's not enough uh, people to go around. There's a real shortage of, of good quality, uh, you know, sensible people who know how to take something and, and, and turn it into something. They, they just don't have the time. I mean, they're over here, they're looking at something in Africa or they're looking at something somewhere else, and... Yeah, what's their focus? And I think it's important as an investor that when you invest in a company, look look at the people working there and see what they do. If they're, they're if they're on three or four boards and they're all doing, they're all active on those boards. Well, it's tough. And I think you need to have a, a focus and you need to have have that backing. And uh, you know, it's always nice to have that that uh, track, you know, that success behind you. If people are there, but I think one reason they're successful is the fact that they do actually focus their their attention. On, on what they're doing and they're not trying to do six things at once. And I think as a company it's important that we don't have 20 projects, for instance. I mean, you can't do it. Oh, okay, we've got Mineral 260's got more, that's fine, and we've got Gascoin. You know, that's that's probably just be a full up, to be honest with you. If something compelling comes along, we'll go for it. But, you know, I think it's important to have a focus and, and control on what you're doing. I'll tell you what, Dave, in a game where the uh, odds are heavily stacked against you for success, your track record is absolutely remarkable. Uh, it's been... Fantastic to have a chat with you today. I think you can see that uh, you've clearly still got the bit between your teeth. The successes that you've had, as significant as they are, haven't haven't uh, taken away the hunger, have they? You're, you're up there. You, you want another fine, don't you? You are. <laughs> to, to move from the golfing analogies to the cricket, you're on a hat-trick. 
Yeah, or the other golfing analogy is you're only as good as your next shot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I listen. I, I won't pretend that I'm getting close to the end of my career than the start of my career. But I love, I love the thrill of the hunt, and um, you know, it's the opportunity's there. I'll continue to do it. Maybe I might get a few more other people to work for me in doing it. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting stuff. When it, and when you get onto something, there is, you know, as a geologist, there's nothing better than finding something and drilling it out and turning it into something. It'll take a brave punter to bet against you. Thanks very much, Dave. Great talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast, produced by Resource Media, hosted by Paul Armstrong for Reed Corporate. Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice, and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions. 